When our best fur friends leave our world, many of us are left wanting one last scritch, one last hug, one last walk together. One Last Network is a space for pet guardians to honor their pets in their senior years and to cope with the days leading up to and after their passing. Here's your host, Angela Schneider, founder of One Last Network and Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington. Welcome to episode 31 of One Last Network, The Art of Lessons Learned. We have another roundtable with the professional photographers at One Last Network. Each one of us has a deep appreciation for the companion animals who have come into our lives and left behind not just lessons learned, but sometimes profound transformations, incredible life changes, complete shifts in personality. They've altered the way we see the world the way we walk among our fellow humans. Animals, dogs in particular, have been our loyal companions for thousands of years, and over time, humans have come to appreciate their incredible capacity for love, empathy, and companionship. If we pay attention to the way they live, move, and treat their fellow animals, and us, we can absorb those traits to make ourselves better human beings. I think you'll hear that as a common thread as each photographer who joined us today shares their amazing story. We even talk about a cat, a cat, with one of our newer members, Chris Miller of Mill Pet Photography, joining us all the way from the United Kingdom. Have a listen. Good morning, everyone at One Last Network. Today, we are talking about the amazing lessons that we have learned from our dogs or cats or horses, whichever is the pet of your choice. I'm going to throw it out there to someone to get started. And I think I'm going to point at Sharon Canovis of Hamilton, Ontario. Hi. Um, so lessons I have learned from my dog. I was thinking about that and... It brought me back memories to my dog, Oscar. He passed away when he was 17 years old, of old age. And lessons I've learned from him, um, gratitude. He, uh, he couldn't get up on our bed anymore. He had a hard time. And I was afraid to place him on the bed and him jumping off the bed and getting hurt. So I decided to sleep on the floor with him. And I would put a thin mattress, and I did that for four years till he passed. Um, it wasn't the most comfortable um, place to sleep, but um, every time I would put the sheets and the blanket and the pillow, he knew it was time to go to bed. And just the way he looked at me and gave me the kisses, mm -hmm. it's, it's the look that I don't think it could ever be duplicated. <laughs> um, it, it, just, it was just full of gratitude that we're still going to cuddle and sleep on the floor together. He was still going to get that. So definitely gratitude. What was it about Oscar that made you want to do all that for him? He was a, well, second, a family dog. And um, he was uh, our, our friend, really. Uh, when we, uh, we immigrated to Canada, we didn't really know English. 
So Oscar was our friend, you know, Oscar would play with my brother and I, and, uh, and there was no, um, need to speak English. <laughs> Oscar spoke uh, eventually English and uh, in Portuguese. He understood both languages. And and he was he was just really special, you know, followed me everywhere. He was my mom's um he would help my mom in a gardener in a garden, sorry. And he would follow my mom everywhere. She would just be like, okay, do you want to go help uh, me in the garden? Let's go. He would go and you know, it, it was his garden and, uh, and he was just, uh, this little kind soul that you could, uh, sit there and, and cuddle with. That's wonderful. Thank you, Sharon. Who wants to go next? I'll go. <laughs> and I'm already crying. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I wasn't ready to cry this early in the morning. I know. And Sharon, thank you so much. But um, uh, yeah, already the tears are are coming. Oh. Take a deep breath. What was that? Take a deep breath. Cool. And you have, you have Halo right there behind you. I have Halo. She's napping right behind me. And um, yeah, so I'm Darlene with Panthetown Photography. And even thinking about this topic stirred up a lot for me. And one of the big things I learned from my dog, Coda, who all of this is still very raw to me as I lifted her up in August. And I still, I want to say I still cry on a daily basis, which is okay because crying is a good thing and crying is helpful. And now it triggers the beautiful memories we have together. But one thing that I learned from her was the last couple of years, I remember Coda collapsing on the ground. And I know I mentioned this in another podcast um, interview. We were talking about, you know, those times towards the end. And she wasn't ready to go at that time. She was just done walking. And what I learned was sometimes we have to let go of that routine. And Coda and I, for at that time, nine plus years, we walked twice a day, every day, rain, sleet, snow, whatever the weather. And all of a sudden, she didn't want to walk anymore. And I lost a part of me, but it wasn't about me. I had to let go of that routine of what we did together daily and find something new that we could do together. And she loved our back backyard that was fenced in. And she could sit outside for hours a day and just enjoy being outdoors. So that's when I moved my life to, okay, I can enjoy outdoors with her. I can sit on the back porch with a book, with my laptop, get work done and still, you know, have that connection with her and that bond with her. But that was a hard thing to let go for me. I ask you the same question that I asked Sharon. What was it about Coda that made you want to do those things for her and change your life the way you did? Just, she inspired me for everything. She, and if anyone knows Coda, she was a reactive dog, not an easy dog. I learned that patience. Um, I learned to make changes for her, but she just meant everything in the world to me. And I think sometimes the challenging dogs make us a little bit, more you know stronger and in that sense doing what we can for them 
Um, yeah, but she, she was my everything and I would do whatever it takes to make her happy. Yeah. Awesome. Halo just woke up. She did. She, she's her. <laughs> she knows the name Coda. <laughs> <laughs> thank you Darlene who would like to go next I'll go I'll go before my husband and dogs get back in the house and chaos and erupts um I am Lynn Sainert with Lance and Lily Pet Photography in Ashburn Virginia and I think the biggest lesson my dogs have taught me is to advocate for myself a few months after we got Lily she just started doing this routine of getting sick every 10 days, she would vomit, have diarrhea. We'd go to the vet, they would give her medication and then she'd be fine. And then 10 days later, she was back with the same things and like months and months, um, like two or three months. And then finally it was like, no, we've, this is, we've got to do more for her. And, um, then, you know, she was diagnosed with diagnosed with IBS and then, you know, with her reactivity and then getting Lance and his reactivity and finding the right people to work with them. And then with Lance's health issues last year, especially when you have a dog that's that will eat vets, um, trying to find, you know, the appropriate care for him. And that that can be challenging at times. And then then last year I had a knee injury. And I kept getting like the runaround and I'm like, okay, I do all of this for my dog. So I should be able to do for my, this for myself. And so they really taught me, it's like, no, you're not giving me an answer. We are going to keep going until we find out what's going on. And um, so, yeah, so those little creatures that that's probably the biggest lesson is to advocate for myself as much as I, you know, advocate for, for them. That's amazing. You feel that you found your voice because of your dogs. I would say so. Yeah. I would, cause it's like, there, you know, part of me is like, okay, you know, whatever you just sort of accept things, but and it's just like, no, why are you, they're not giving you an answer and you, you know, think of everything you've done for Lance and Lily, you know, it's like, you deserve to also take care of yourself in that same way. And, um, yeah, so I think they really helped me not just take her stupid answer. <laughs> That's incredibly transformational. Good for you. Next. Uh, so I'm Chris from uh, the UK, uh, from Mill Pet Photography. And I'm going to change it just very slightly. Instead of talking about a dog, I'm going to have to talk about our cat, Summer, who... Um, it's nice to be able to talk about a different pet. And uh, if anyone checks me out, I'm exclusively a dog photographer, but um, have a massive love for cats. In fact, all animals. Um, last September, so uh, as raw as Darlene as well, um, Summer unexpectedly couldn't be with us any longer. And um, th the thing that she taught me at just seven years old is you just don't know when something's going to happen. We had gone away on a two-week holiday. Um, we had our daughter and a neighbour um, taking care of Summer. She was, there was nothing wrong with her visibly to us. We thought everything was fine. And when we came back from holiday, she'd been you know, a little bit off her eating, which is you know not unexpected when, there's, uh, when you've left them behind. 
but actually we could tell very quickly that something was really wrong and i think she, she'd done an amazing job at being strong while we were away and as soon as we were back she kind of let us know just how poorly she was and uh rushed her to the vets the next morning when we just see she wasn't eating anything at all and it turned out that she had a huge tumor inside her and everything was just blocked and it it, it really was quite bad so it was very quick and very sudden that we had to unfortunately let her go to the rainbow bridge um and it, and it was so sad but the one thing it's taught us is that you know every day is important um age is not an indicator of um when grief might be needed and may come um and as a dog photographer but pet photographer uh, uh, by trade um i know this doesn't play on a podcast but at least you know we can get professional pictures so i am holding up a picture of our black and white tuxedo cat and that was taken a couple of years before it's probably shining a bit because it isn't acrylic but i'll just spin it a bit there so we're fortunate that we have a few of those and and the message i've learned from every client that we take with both senior dogs and a couple of end of life sessions is that the value of the photographs they have particularly of them together and i feel that's the one thing that i haven't got are pictures of us with our cat and and i know so many clients who just before we take photographs for them they don't have enough pictures of them with their dogs so um the thing it's taught me is two things make sure i can do what i can for other clients and when we have another fur ball in our life which will be soon we're just trying to decide will it be a dog will it be a cat will it be both we're just trying to work through that um, but as we get to the end of that we will make sure from the beginning there are photographs with us and uh and, and our fur balls thank you so much for mentioning that point i think it's one of the things that we try to stress here at one last network is that there is no better time to get your photos done with your pet than now and mm. rather than wait until they're old and infirm or when it's too late correct absolutely that was an incredibly tragic loss for your family how are you managing um it, it's Thank you. And it, and it is a tragic loss, as it is for anyone that's listening to the podcast that goes through it, because the, you know, the comment of it's just a cat, it's just a dog, that that means nothing. And I have caught up on all the podcasts. I've heard so many of the, the same phrases used that they are absolutely 100 percent part of our family. And so it was very, very tough from the beginning. We um, did keep every photograph on display um, we still have done um, and it helps tremendously to remember whilst it was it wasn't even seven years in full for us because she was a rescue and we rescued her at approximately two years old so, so we only had really had five years with her so it, it was quite quick in that sense but there were so many great memories and it's thinking of the good times and the things that we had there Fortunately for us, we only realised she was very poorly for a very short while. But being so young, I think being clearly quite strong and a fighter, she she, she hid that herself for quite some time. So, uh, so, so I think we have to thank her for that. Uh, but at the same time, we just could not bear the pain that she was going through for, uh, uh, for even for the short period she was. Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing, Chris. No, thank you. Thank you. Hi, Lee. Good morning. 
So hopefully my background noise doesn't get too loud. I'm just going to put that out there. We're in the middle of a renovation. <laughs> and the workers are here bright and early this morning. I'm Kylie with Kylie Doyle Photography in Northern California. So I think one of the biggest things um, that my dog has taught me is that everyone is a little bit broken and that's okay. So I know that I talk about my reactive dog, Omega, a lot. Um, and that's partly just because, you know, he is my soul dog. Um, but he has also really changed our lives. He's definitely the most challenging dog that I've ever had. Um, you know, we deal a lot with his anxiety and his reactivity. Um, and there was actually a period of time where we weren't even sure we could handle him and everything that he brought. But after working, you know, with a trainer and just really breaking through that exterior and getting past some of that anxiety, we found that he is just an absolutely incredible dog. He's so loving and he's so sensitive. You know, and he's one of those dogs that just, you know, the second that you start to feel an emotion, he recognizes it and he's right there and he wants to try and comfort you. And just, you know, being with him and working with him, you know, I realized that we kind of all have these broken pieces. And I think part of our journey in life is to find those people and those animals where our broken pieces fit together with each other. Do you think it's too easy to give up on broken dogs and people? Oh, I think a lot of people give up. Um, I mean, like I mentioned, I mean, we, my husband and I, we had a conversation at one point, you know, about, are we the right home for this dog, you know? And at the end of the day, you know, after that conversation, I realized that nobody else is going to give this dog the chance that we're giving him right now. If we try to find another home for him, in reality, he's going to end up euthanized for his aggression. And I see so many dogs in the shelters, you know, because they, you know, were too rambunctious or, you know, they displayed aggression once or, you know, they bit someone. And I think it's really common that people give up on these challenging dogs. Um, and I know, you know, not everybody is equipped to handle, you know, the aggression and the behavioral issues. But, you know, I, I definitely think that a lot of people don't even try, you know, the trainer route. And um, we have been to veterinarians that specialize in um, behavioral issues and Omega is on medication now to help with some of his behavioral problems too. Um, so I think there's a lot of options that people just don't really consider. How has this experience changed the way Kylie walks in the world with other humans? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, it, honestly, like I have always considered myself to be an emotional person. Um, I definitely, you know, feel things very strongly, but I think having been around Omega and his sensitivity, I think it just makes me like even more aware of other people and being more respectful of, you know, what they may be going through and what they may be feeling. Cool. Okay, I'm going to ask everyone to unmute. 
and start talking about how hearing each other's stories affects you. Kylie's story definitely resonates with me because once we got Lance into our home and he started exhibiting, you know, resource guarding and all these other things and, you know, PTSD and started attacking Lily, you know, we're, we, you know, I had the conversation with my husband and like, can we do this? And, and, but it's like, you know, it was the same thing. It's like, no, if we were to return him, he would just be bounced from home to home to home. And, um, so I, I just relate so much to that. And, you know, it's just, you know, we, we say, you know, hugs and drugs make Lance a happy boy. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, it's, you know, those, those special dogs, they, they will, they will test you. They will show you what you're made of. The other people I know who work with, with their dogs as much as we have, you know, I give a lot of props to them because it's not easy. It's not cheap. You know, and you really have to advocate for your dogs when when you have a reactive dog like that. I, uh, when we first got Cisco, he showed a little sign of aggression, especially towards Dawn. And obviously, we wanted to get a hold of that. And as Len said, was not cheap. But we were able through training to turn him around, you know. He was the dog that no one would ever keep. He he would not make a good family dog, like to any kids or, you know, but we're able to turn that around. Like every single time Donnie would sit down to have breakfast, Cisco would go and just get his hand and try to pull it down for some reason. And Donnie was like, okay, this, this boy got strength, you know? But it was really through kindness and and a lot of training that we turned him around. <clears throat> I haven't had a reactive dog as a pet um, that it required that much management. I have dealt with a lot of reactive dogs through the rescue that I was been with for the past 10 years. Um, but I tame feral cats. Uh, we have fostered, my husband and I in the past 15 years have fostered over 500 cats. And we generally work with the uh, the spicy ones. And you have to show them. I mean, with cats, it's a bit different than dogs. It's you don't often use drugs as much, sometimes gabapentin or something, but it's not and it's not training like you do with dogs. It is just a consistent effort to show them kindness and love and that you can be trusted and then they start to open up a bit. And it's amazing when you see that turn around, when they come to you for a pet instead of, you know, attacking your foot as you walk by. So it's sort of the same thing, but again, that's where the peace inside, the inner peace that I have to have to sit with them because they can feel every single bit of energy I have. They're so in tune, dogs and all animals, they're so in tune and it, it's so good to have they help me regulate my own emotions and it's it's just incredible to watch them transform that's a really good point jen about having to have peace and calm within yourself to work with domesticated animals and i think that's certainly something that sets professional pet photographers apart yeah. we learn we take the time to learn animal behavior 
and not just control it, but also appreciate it. Because I know I don't want always the dog that sits perfectly. I want the chaos. I want the fun. I want the I want the the nut job dog that will tear around the park and have a blast. Chris, was there a story that you heard that really affected you? Yeah, um, there's a couple of things in there as well, but I just wanted to reiterate what you just said there as well, Angela. Um, I, I studied um, canine behavior and took a diploma in it because I just wanted to, the, the more I could know, the more I'd be able to spot things. And I do find, you know, it, it's often the owners in the scenarios who are more worried about their dog performing for photographs. And it's like, I, I don't want that. Just let the dog have fun and I'll capture that true character. But back to the question you asked on the on the stories. Yeah, I, I think, you know, listening to the reactive um, scenarios there, it does remind me again, I'll, I will bring it back to the personal experience of, of our cat summer she was a rescue and and I, I think for maybe the first couple of years we had her we could never work out why she just got spooked and would suddenly just run off to an area and it would be something very very simple like just moving your hand to your hair something as simple as that but it's the way she reacted obviously there were things in the past that still reminded her of something bad that was about to happen so I, I think as much as we go through, you know, helping to particularly with dogs uh, to train and to and to help there, sometimes it is medication that's needed as well to take away some of the anxiety that the dog is going through. And then um, it can be in a better place to, to, to train. But it really does come down to that that trust. And I think once trust is there, as long as nothing's done to break it, it's just some memories that will sometimes still trigger in either the cat or the dog. And we can't necessarily ever stop those. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get Shep until he was two years old and he would flinch when I would raise my hand. So something had happened there too. Mm. Even though we trusted each other implicitly, if I raised my hand a certain way, mm. he would duck. Mm. How about you, Darlene? What did you hear today? Ah, back to reactivity and trust <laughs> is what Chris was saying. Having had extremely reactive dog Coda, I went through the extreme of becoming a dog trainer before I was a pet photographer <laughs> because I worked with several dog trainers who their teaching methods didn't resonate with my values. And that took me to positive reinforcement, the science of dog training and building the trust. And like Chris was saying about trust, working on that bond with Coda and I, that was just more worth more than anything. When you develop that bond, use that positive reward-based training and all of that. So yeah, reactivity, it puts a lot of dog people where they are today, whether it's trainers, photographers, anything dog related. So in addition to learning from our pets being foundational to my core beliefs, I also believe that we can learn from each other's stories. Even though so many of you here have experience with reactivity and learning through that reactivity, did you also learn something new by listening to each other's stories? It's okay to be broken. Yeah. I go through my ups and downs and my anxiety 
and it's okay. I just won't bite, just so you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyone else? Well, I loved Lynn's story about advocating for yourself because I know that I will move heaven and earth for my pets and for the people that I love, but I'm not always great about doing it for myself. Yeah, I also have yeah. to agree with that. I, um, I'm dealing with some medical stuff the past year or so, and I remember saying to my husband maybe two years ago, I said, you know, I can give eight foster cats all of their medication. I can medicate our dog. I can make sure... I can take care of everyone in this house and I don't remember taking my vitamin and that's bullshit. And yeah. that was when it kind of clicked for me too. Same thing. And I actually didn't realize that my pets had taught me that, but yeah, they had, they had, if I could manage to take care of all of them and not kill anybody, why am I not spending any amount of time on myself? Amen. I want to thank you all so much for joining us this morning. I've learned a lot. I've appreciated every one of your stories and um, we will see you in the group. Thank well, you. Thank, thank you. Well, I saved my favorite story for last. If you listen to the first episode or follow my blog at all at Big White Dog Photography, you know who I'm about to talk about. Shep was the catalyst for my transformation. It certainly wasn't what I expected when I rescued the big galoot in Carstairs, a sleepy bedroom community north of Calgary where I lived at the time. Through Shep, I learned patience, compassion, and understanding. And that's mostly because the Marema Sheepdog is defiant, stubborn, and independent. Ultimately, they can be real assholes, and Bella follows those breed traits to a T. But what I learned is that those traits define me, too. I got to see myself through his eyes and understand that I'm okay just as I am. I don't have to change to fit what someone else thinks I should be. I don't have to put on this plastic veneer that I think was a pretty common expectation of a lot of people in downtown corporate Calgary. So I traded in my high heels and my Mustang for hiking boots and an SUV. Shep and I explored the world together, learning to trust each other, which is probably one of the lessons I've found hardest to learn in this lifetime, trust. But I knew that at the end of the day, the only person I was coming home to, the only person who had listened to me, no matter what I was prattling on about, the only person who would be by my side, no matter what, was my dog. I am a different person because of him. I am a better person because of him. And when he left my world, my heart was shattered. My life was, well, you know, everything changes in an instant when you lose someone or some pet that has been such a huge part of your life. But I know today he knew he had to make room for Bella so she could come and teach me new lessons on patience and understanding and love. The journey continues. And the lessons he left me with endure. So will the ones Bella leaves me with. Next week, oh man, <laughs> this one is so good, you guys. I get to talk to Jeannie Joseph, author of The Human-Animal Connection. If you get a chance before next weekend, go look her up at thehumananimalconnection.org or pick up her book on Amazon. <laughs> Speaking of life-changing, <laughs> until next week. I'm Angela Schneider. 
owner of Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington, and your host at One Last Network, signing off to go get some Bella Snuggles. Listen to One Last Network on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. Don't forget to hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have a friend who might be interested in our content, make sure you share us with them. Thanks for listening.